The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. So what is the right thing for America to do with Ukraine morally? What should we do? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, welcome to the broadcast. Michael Brown here. Some life and death critical issues to talk about on The Line of Fire. And you get to weigh in with your viewpoint, with your conviction, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. Historic day today as President Zelensky of Ukraine addressed both houses of Congress, received several standing ovations. We're going to play some of the clips from his speech today. What is the righteous response from America? The alleged leader of the free world, what should we do to stand with Ukraine? Should we continue to use restraint, help in as many ways as we can, recognize that hopefully everyone can ride this out? Yes, thousands will die along the way, but we can ride this out. The people of Ukraine will somehow survive, and then in the end, things will go back to normal, and we can help rebuild Ukraine and mourn the losses of Ukraine and Russia and others. Or is that an immoral position? Is that an ungodly position? No, you do the right thing, even if in the end you have hundreds of millions of casualties as opposed to thousands, you have to do the right thing. So we're going to talk about that. We've talked about it before, but these are urgent matters that are before us as, as we see in front of our eyes, people dying, civilians being killed, terrible suffering right in front of our eyes. This is nothing that we can ignore. What's the right thing for us to do? So do you remember when the U.S. offered to help get President Zelensky out of Ukraine at the beginning of the war, and he had that incredible response, I don't need a ride, I need ammo. I can imagine him saying today, I don't need standing ovations, I need weapons, I need planes, I need a no-fly zone. So let's listen to the first clip, again, excerpted from his speech today to Congress. This is Ukraine's President Zelensky. Madam Speaker, members of the Congress, ladies and gentlemen, Americans, friends, I'm proud to greet you from Ukraine, from our capital city of Kiev, a city that is under missile and airstrikes from Russian troops every day but it doesn't give up and we have not even thought about it for a second just like many other cities and communities in our beautiful country which found themselves in the worst war since world war ii right now the destiny of our country is being decided the destiny of our people whether Ukrainians will be free, whether they will be able to preserve their democracy. Russia has attacked not just us, not just our land, not just our cities. It went on a brutal offensive against our values. In your great history, you have pages that would allow you to understand Ukrainians, understand us now when you need 
it right now, when we need you right now. Remember Pearl Harbor. Terrible morning of December 7, 1941, when your sky was black from the planes attacking you. Just remember it. Remember September the 11th, a terrible day in 20, 2001, when evil tried to turn your cities, independent territories, in battlefields, when innocent people were attacked. Our country experienced the same every day. Right now, at this moment, every night, for three weeks now. So, President Zelensky, uh, and it's, it's a very powerful appeal, a very powerful appeal. Pearl Harbor, 9-11, these are things etched deeply in our, in our consciousness as Americans. And the idea of this happening now daily for three weeks, the, the bombardment day after day after day after day, how can we not respond? That is his appeal. And for those that are watching, I want to put a clip up now. He, he showed this video. It's about two minutes long to say, hey, here's what our country was like before the bombing. This is what Odessa looked like. This is what some of our other cities looked like. This is what life was. And now this is the reality. And it, it's, it's quite striking and overwhelming. I mean, it really looks and feels like the end of the world. And it, it's hard for me to describe in words what's on the screen here, but it's, it's an incredibly powerful contrast. You've got families and they're playing and hugging and kids and all of this, and then the destruction. And then a caption, this is murder. And, and then children being carried out of rubble and buildings just flattened. And... It, corpses carried out uh, civilians children dying it's it's this is the reality of what's happening and on every level you could say that this type of attack is utterly unprovoked even, even people just thrown into mass graves it's it's overwhelming to witness this so here's the question we're saying that if nato a nato country was attacked then we get involved. I mean, it's, it's what the alliance is. It's, it's what the contractual agreement is. Then we get evolved, involved. If things escalate, so be it. Okay. And, and we've said, well, if chemical weapons were involved and, and Russia started using chemical weapons on Ukraine, that would be a, a line too far. And we would get involved then. And, and, we, and, and if things escalate, they escalate. So, and I'm, I'm going to be putting out both sides of, of this argument here. All right. But morally, why do you have to wait for those other things to happen? If you say, okay, if certain lines are crossed, then we do escalate, even if it means potentially World War III, even if it means potentially nuclear bombs going off, and instead of thousands of Ukrainians dying, millions, but not just millions of Ukrainians, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of, of Europeans, of Russians, of others, how do you not... Get involved. How do you not take a stand? How do you not say, okay, we will act regardless of the consequences? It's the only way you stop evil. Well, you know, look here. Look at it like this. You, you've got a really dangerous neighbor, and this neighbor is always threatening. And, and one day comes and kicks one of your kids in the head. Kid's got to go to the hospital. And he says, you dare report this to police. I'm coming after your whole family. 
Well, are you going to live paralyzed by fear? Or are you going to report the guy and then do what you need to do to get protection from him until he's arrested? I mean, is, is this the way you live? Let's listen to one more clip from President Zelensky. And then at the end, he actually, instead of the translator speaking, he actually speaks in English. So let's listen to one more clip from the president. I have a dream. These words are known to each of you today. I can say I have a need. I need to protect uh, our sky. I need your decision, your help, which means exactly the same, the same you feel when you hear the words, I have a dream. It is true, in the darkest time for our country, for the whole Europe, I call on you to do more. And in the end, to sum it up, today, Today, it's not enough to be the leader of the nation. Today, it takes to be the leader of the world. Being the leader of the world means to be the leader of peace. Peace in your country doesn't depend anymore only on you and your people. It depends on those next to you, on those who are strong. Strong doesn't mean weak. Strong is brave and ready to fight for the life of his citizens and citizens of the world. For human rights, for freedom, for the right to live decently and to die when your time comes. And not when it's wanted by someone else, by your neighbor. Today, the Ukrainian people are defending not only Ukraine, we are fighting for the values of Europe and the world, sacrificing our lives in the name of the future. That's why today the American people are helping not just Ukraine, but Europe and the world to keep the planet alive, to keep justice in history. Now I'm almost 45 years old. Today my age stopped when the hearts of more than 100 children stop beating. I see no sense in life if it cannot stop the death. And this is my main mission as the leader of my people, great Ukrainians. And as the leader of my nation, I am addressing the President Biden. You are the leader of the nation, of your great nation. I wish you to be the leader of the world. Being the leader of the world means to be the leader of peace. Thank you. Slava Ukraine. Yeah, so uh, moving appeal. And it must be incredibly frustrating to think, okay, these nations have the power to help us and to stop the slaughter of our people, and they are not acting. Don't you have to do what's morally right because it's right, even if there are bad consequences? Otherwise, aren't you then held hostage to this other nation or person always going further, always taking it one step beyond, but you're afraid if, if you do something, then it'll get really bad? Isn't that being held hostage to someone else's tyranny, to someone else's madness, to someone else's violence. 
On the other hand, what if we have to suffer the loss of thousands of civilians, Ukrainian people have to suffer great loss, and Russians suffer many losses as well. Certainly many of the soldiers don't want to be out doing what they're doing. But in the end, it will save hundreds of millions of lives. Don't we have to weigh that in the balance? This is the challenge right now that America and other nations are facing. 866-34-TRUTH. What is the morally right thing to do today? We'll be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. In a few minutes, I've got a very, very special announcement to make about 414, April 14th, something that every one of us can be involved with that I believe is, is going to be a very special day moving forward here in our nation. I'll be making that announcement shortly. But coming back to Ukraine, you get to weigh in, 866-34-TRUTH. Now, look, we're just talking. We're not influencing policy. I have no access to the president or to Congress. It's not like what happens on this radio show when I'll be able to take and then, and then play for the whole world, and the whole world's going to say, okay, this is the consensus. But, but I want us to talk these things through to try to give us a moral understanding. A- again, we all have to make certain decisions as to when you draw a line in the sand and when you let something go. We have the expression, you know, this is a hill worth dying on, but that's not every hill. There are things that are so convictional to me, if I lose everything for that conviction, so be it. It's not even a thought. I don't even have to evaluate it because the conviction is so deep. There are other things where you have to say, okay, is this, is this a fight I want to get involved with? We had a staff meeting earlier for staff birthday party for me and, and hanging out today. And one, one comment was raised by some of the staff that when you see the secular media lining up almost completely unanimously, all saying this is horrible, America needs to do something and, and fight for the people of Ukraine, you wonder, okay, why is there such unanimity? What is it that is sparking that level of unanimity? Is it that it's that level of human suffering in front of our eyes? Or is there a cause that's being espoused or a side being taken and we're being bombarded with it emotionally to to cause us to have a certain reaction, but that's not the best stance to take? So President Zelensky today said, look, no fly zone, declare it. Okay, Russia said, if you do, that's it, that's war. Doesn't matter. Declare it. No flies on you. Fly over to Ukraine. You cannot do it. There will be consequences. But he even said, if you can't, we need certain weapons. We need these weapons now. Why they haven't gotten them yet? I don't know all the details. President Biden announced last night and more details today. There's going to be one billion dollars more in aid, and overwhelmingly that aid will be in the form of weapons. And as I understand it, many of them to be able to shoot these planes down. These planes that are bombing these cities and also bombing and killing civilians. But what's the right thing to do? 
Is it to suffer terrible present losses and to not look the other way, but just do what we can in a limited way to save massive greater losses in the future? Or does that mentality of if I wait, if I don't act, if I, if I hold off, is that the very thing that paralyzes us? Is that what Europe did with Hitler in the, in the lead up to World War II? 866-34-TRUTH. Let's start with Deborah in Maple Grove, Minnesota. What's your position? Hi, Dr. Brown. Thank you so much for letting me on. Um, I have such strong, strong feelings about this. I'm trying to control myself. But we have to do something. We cannot just sit here. Um, and the two scriptures that keep coming to mind, I mean, uh, not ironically, um, it's Purim almost. And mm-hmm. all I can keep hearing in my own spirit is the words of Mordecai. It's like, do you not see that you have been given this uh, blessing, America, that you have been given strength and and all this artillery, and you have those jets, and you have been put here for such a time as this. And if you do not rise up, God will deliver Ukraine, but you will perish. I mean, these kind of things are what's going through me. And the other scripture about, you know, where Jesus says, whatever you do unto the least of these, my brethren. I mean, my God, if this were Jesus, we'd just sit there and do nothing? Um, it, it, it's just horrifying, and I'm, I'm trying to just even contain myself. But but uh, I honestly feel like Zelensky is a prophet to the world right now. I mean, what he spoke today, <laughs> he is a prophet to the world, and the Ukrainian people are setting an example of what all of us are going to face. If we don't take action, There, it's just going to get worse and worse. If we think we're going to avoid world war by sitting back and doing nothing, no, we're inviting worse. So anyhow, that's my spirit. <laughs> well, th- Deborah, th- thank you for laying it out so clearly and so passionately. So Deborah's position is morally, we have to do more. We have the ability to, we, we have the weaponry to, we have the freedom to, and therefore we must do what we must do what is right as opposed to saying, but if we do, then this and this, the but doesn't exist in this case, in Deborah's view, and many of your views as well. All right, let's go over to Daniel in Flagstaff, Arizona. What's your take, sir? From from how uh, from what I understand, uh, yes. what this really boils down to is um, money and the world order that's pushed by the banks who control America. They have said already, the British military has said, uh, it's LGBT rights that we're fighting for in Ukraine, and uh, the the Metropolitan, uh, I forget his name, Kirill, said that we're fighting dark forces there. This has to do with uh, gay parades. This NATO is encroaching on Russia, and they've been t- Russia has been telling them for the longest time stop building new nu- stop building military embankments near our country. Stop encroaching on us. Russia tried to join NATO. They wouldn't let them. Because why? Russia doesn't have uh, the, the same control, uh, the banking control over their country that the Western countries do. And that's what they're trying to impose on Russia. They're trying to sub- make them submit and subject them to the dollar, to our banking system, and then change their politics. That is what this is about. It's about the darkness, the Satanism, the LGBT, all the filth and abominations that have taken over America— and Western Europe, they're trying to get in there. 
That's what's going on. All right, so, so Daniel, yeah, Daniel, just just hang on for a second. So you're saying that Russia is slaughtering civilians, innocent civilians, and and bombing buildings like maternity centers and things like that because they're afraid of of gay activism spreading from Ukraine into Russia. No, you're uh, you're a little bit misinformed about. Uh, the issues that are going on there. The, the people have been given guns. They're fighting with guns. So if they're there fighting, uh, they're not innocent civilians. And beyond that, Ukraine... So, wait, 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 but Daniel, hang, hang on. Uh, Daniel, how is it that you're properly informed, but I and my you know, team doing all kinds... Of, Dan, I, I don't I watch, watch, I don't watch the... Daniel, I don't watch the news. I don't watch the news. Somebody must be informing you who is watching the news. Ah, but all of our sources are wrong. It doesn't trouble you at all. That all the research uh, we do, he, and have, Daniel, can I, Daniel, 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 okay, all right. So here's the problem with people like Daniel. They don't listen. I have no problem with someone coming on the air and saying something that I radically differ with, all right? I have a problem with being told that all of my information sources, people on the ground who live in Ukraine, okay, and then other sources some of them are, are much more sympathetic to Putin. Uh, I've interacted with someone in Russia trying to tell me that everything we're seeing now is fake news. My issue is someone like Daniel, who he has the right information and nobody else does. All right. You're getting it from the mainstream media. I don't watch the news. All right. Something a time like this, Nancy may say, hey, watch this report for a moment. But that's, I don't watch TV news. I haven't for years and years and years. And my news sources are very varied in terms of where I'm getting information from. But when I try to interact and just try to raise questions to Daniel, and there's not an ear to hear, that's what troubles me. And then, Daniel, just a, a word of, of loving input to you, sir. If you want your position to be taken with any degree of seriousness, then you're going to have to allow someone to question it. And it's better if rather than telling me and everybody else in the world that believes that Russia is committing atrocities against civilians. All right. It's not every second of every day, but it is certainly happening. The best thing to do is not to dismiss it as we are all misinformed. The best thing is to say, now, you may have seen this, you may have heard this, I have other sources. Otherwise, you just, you won't get heard. And I would have gladly interacted, but when we can't have, uh, when we can't have a two-way conversation where I can speak back to you, then it, it's just, it's not, it's not polite for everyone listening. So, Daniel, <clears throat> just a word of advice. There's a better way to present things, okay? And... <clears throat> I am not saying or thinking that the people of Ukraine have suddenly become all saints or that President Zelensky is the most righteous man on the planet or that everyone in Russia is evil. I'm not saying that at all. I am saying this attack is unjustified and to my knowledge, although Russia may be paranoid about an attack from a NATO country, Russia may be worried about, okay, they're right on our border. As far as I understand, every bit of information I have, there's no threat 
of Poland physically invading and attacking Russia, starting a war with Russia, or Ukraine as a non-NATO country, starting a war with Russia. And then why would anyone want to provoke, quote, the Russian bear to use nuclear weapons? And they're the, they're the, the provocateurs. They're the ones that are setting the stage for violence and death. There are many, many sides to the story. And I still don't believe that we fully understand why Putin invaded. I, I wrote an article about that the other day. But what's the right thing for America to do? I'll, I'll give you my thoughts. Then I've got an important announcement to make to you. And then want to bring to your attention something happening with kids you should know about. We'll be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire. In a moment, I want to give my perspective as to what is the right thing for America to do in light of the crisis in Ukraine. I want to come to that in a moment. And then want to let you know about a book you should know about, Parents, you should know about it. I've got a brand new article about that. But first, first, and number to call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884 is number to call where you get to weigh in as well. April 14th, 414. What's the significance of 414? Well, Esther 414 in the Bible, when the Jewish nation is being threatened by Haman and the Jewish people are going to be potentially wiped out in the Persian Empire under the murderous uh, heart of, of Haman because of his hatred of Mordecai and all of Mordecai's people. Esther, the queen, has access to the king, but if she goes in without him requesting her presence, the penalty is death, unless he says, come in anyway. So she's hesitant. Mordecai says, look, if you remain silent, help can be raised up from another place. But who knows if you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. 414, April 414. We are declaring April 4, so April 14th, 414, every year. We are proclaiming this national not ashamed of Jesus day. A day when we tell the whole world we're here, we can't be silenced, we can't be canceled, we love Jesus, and we love you. Take a moment. As soon as you have a moment, if you're driving in your car, wait till you have a moment. But everyone else, as soon as you have a moment, go to notashamedofjesus.org. Notashamedofjesus.org. Go through it. Take a few minutes to look at the content there. If you go all the way to the bottom. There's a PDF you can download. There's a leader's kit that you can download. There's a short video, about a minute long, with me sharing more about this. National Not Ashamed of Jesus Day. Go to notashamedofjesus.org and start spreading the word. As I was writing the book, The Silencing of the Lambs, which came out a couple weeks ago, as I was writing that book, suddenly I, I got jarred with this idea. I, I felt like the Holy Spirit dropped it in my heart, proclaimed this, 
You say, why? Because there is an attempt in the culture to marginalize us, to cancel us, to silence us. And this is a way when every single one of us, from the timid to the bold, can cross a line and do something to tell the world that we are here, that we love Jesus, that we love you. We are not ashamed of our faith. You say, shouldn't we do that every day? Well, well, of course, in one way or another, we should do that every day. But here's the thing. Many of us kind of fly under the radar. Many of us are stealth. We are believers. We go to our churches. We seek to raise our families in godly ways. But, you know, in the workplace, we just kind of fit in and so on. This is a day to cross the line. You say, how? Well, if you don't have a, a uniform or required dress, you could wear a shirt that, or T-shirt that proclaims your faith. You could bring your Bible to work with you or to school with you. I know there's another day later in the year where kids bring their Bible to school. Found out about that actually after God laid this idea in my heart, or I believe God laid this idea in my heart. And uh, you could bring a Bible with you. You could post something on social media, just Romans 1.16, not ashamed of the gospel, you know, just make it clear who you are. You could look for someone to share the gospel with. You could look for someone to say, hey, could I pray for you? I'm a follower of Jesus. And, and you see, once the cat's out of the bag, you know people will be watching you more. That's a good thing. We're here to be witnesses. The more eyes on us in that sense, the better. You know that people may come to you about, well, what do you think about this? I saw this news last night. What do you think about this? They may come to you because they see your integrity or your love or your kindness. And could you pray for me or can I talk to you? Uh, they may come to argue or debate. And if you're not up to that, you say, hey, let me introduce you to others that they're happy to argue or debate with you. But, you know, I, I love Jesus. And if I could be of help in your life in any way, I'm, I'm here. Here's the other thing that happens. Not only does it get some of us out of the closet in, in the public eye in that regard, and again, we, Jesus says, don't take your candle and hide it, put it under the desk, put it under the table, put it in the closet, put it under a bushel. No, let it shine for everyone to see. That's our calling, isn't it? But, but not only so, not only so, maybe you work at a big company with thousands of employees, and it's, it's business-like, you're in and out, you see your boss in and out and all of this. You may have hundreds of believers there, but you don't know it. You may feel intimidated, you may feel overwhelmed, you may feel pressure, you may think I'm the only one in my department that's a believer, and maybe there are 30 people in your department. And as I said, maybe hundreds through the whole company. Or maybe your boss is a believer. So it's a way to create solidarity, same thing in your class or your school. You may know the kids that are in most of your classes, but you don't know other kids in the school. You don't know other kids even in your grade. And it, wow, you're a believer too. You follow Jesus too. Wow, you encourage each other. Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one. A threefold cord's not easily broken. So let's stand together. Let's tell the world we're not ashamed of our faith. Let's let our light shine. Let's be there as witnesses, not ashamedofjesus.org. We'll be sending out a lot more information. We've got memes, other things to post. If you want a hashtag to use, it's hashtag Jesus414. Hashtag Jesus414. You can also say hashtag not ashamed of Jesus. Hashtag Jesus414. I really believe that this is going to bring great encouragement. I really believe that many hearts and lives are going to be touched. I, I really believe that this is going to help us push back against cancel culture. 
This is going to help us push back against the intimidation. This is going to help us push back against the, the pressure that it's just not worth it. Better to appease. Better to, to just not rock the boat. Better to just smile and avoid conflict. No, you lose your soul when you do that. Yes, we're called to be wise. Yes, we, we do not walk around as troublemakers. We are peacemakers, not troublemakers. That's how we should live, all right? But as followers of Jesus, inevitably, we'll be rejected, we'll be misunderstood, we'll be hated, we'll be persecuted. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.12, all who live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, will suffer persecution. That's the reality. Jesus says in John 15, beginning in the 18th verse, if the world hated you, remember it hated me first. And if not for the world hating me, it wouldn't hate you. So I do my best to love people, to walk with grace, to walk with kindness, to walk with respect. In the midst of differences, I do my best to live like that always and to be a godly witness. But I know just as a follower of Jesus, let alone as a Jewish follower of Jesus, let alone as a Jewish follower of Jesus with a daily controversial radio show, let alone as a Jewish follower of Jesus with a daily controversial radio show who's also writing articles on all the key topics that are out there, just as a follower of Jesus, I know, I know that I'll suffer persecution and rejection. But here's the deal. If we stand for what's right today, our kids will not have to go to jail for their faith tomorrow. That's a reality. 866-34-TRUTH. We go back to Ukraine. I'm going to take another call and then give you my own viewpoint, which is just my viewpoint. I can't say categorically this is a biblical viewpoint. I am not claiming, I am not claiming, I am not claiming to speak for God. I'm simply giving you my thoughts as they stand now in light of how I handle smaller situations how we handle this situation. Let's grab one more call. Let's go to Virginia. Sergey, welcome to the line of, of fire. You're on the air, sir. Are you there? Wow, I was, I was eager to talk to you. All right, let's, let's find out what happened to our caller there. But I was very eager to, to speak with you in case you were from Russia or from Ukraine. So not sure what happened there. 866-34-TRUTH. But, Sergey, if we get you on the air, no problem. Even after I, I give my thoughts, we can get you on the air in any case. Okay. <clears throat> Should we try again? Let's see. Sergey, are you there? Okay. Yes, sir. Hey, Dr. Brown. Hey, hey what, uh, what's, your, uh, what's your background? Where did you get the name Sergey from? So originally from Belarus. Okay. Um, so came here in the States back in 2000. Got it. So, yeah, what's your perspective? So, um, regard, so I've been asked a question actually a lot in the past couple of weeks. And it's kind of, uh, I mean, to me, bloodshed of any sort on either side is, I mean, it's, it's not, not good. I mean, there's, there's still people. Um, but there at the same time, you know, I've got friends that have gone to Ukraine that are actually helping out ministry and stuff like that. And people are ready to receive the gospel. I mean, Ukraine, you know, everyone's trying to get their hands on a Bible. They're trying to, you know, well, 
you know, definitely hungry for the word and hungry in general for just hearing from God. Because, I mean, some of these people have lost loved ones, families, mm-hmm. everything. And, you know, we as a country, you know, a lot of us that are listening, I mean, we're believers. One of the best things we could do, and we could sit there and watch the news about it, we could sit here and him and all about a lot of this stuff, but, I mean, prayer goes a long way. Right, obviously, and we all we all agree, we absolutely all agree we should be praying and bringing the gospel and humanitarian aid any way we can. Yep. Should should we escalate our support with with no-fly zone, with fighter jets? Should we escalate our support even if it puts us at risk of a World War III? What do you think? Um, honestly, yes, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's not obviously clearly not an easy decision to be made. Right, right. And obviously there needs to be counsel on, you know, on such a subject. But if we do sit back, I mean, I grew up on that side of the world. I, I know that when people say, look, don't do this. If you do this, there's going to be repercussions. People don't warn you a second time. Got it. Got so it. Hey, stick to your gun. Got it. Sergey, I appreciate you weighing in. we got a break here, but I'm glad you got your thoughts in there. Let's take all this to heart. We'll be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us on the Line of Fire. Let me grab one more call related to Ukraine. Let me lay out my views and then tell you about this children's book that you should know about. Uh, Let's go to Nat in Detroit, Michigan. Thanks for calling the Line of Fire. Hey, Dr. Brown. How's it going? Doing well. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely think uh, escalating with Ukraine with Russia over Ukraine is a terrible idea, considering the uh, the history of the region. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I mean, it's a it's a power play between two uh, two empires, and where people are going to get caught in the crossfire. I think we should just you uh, should just hand Ukraine over. So, just if Ukraine is sacrificed. So be it. I mean, uh, yeah. That call didn't even exist. So this is my viewpoint, simply based on how I've approached things in life over the years and how I see scriptural ethics. And that's basically, you have to do what's right because it's right regardless of cost or consequence. Now, again, there are hills that we don't die on. There are issues that we let go. I'm talking about in our everyday lives. So to me, I would need to know for sure that there's not more going on in the Russia-Ukraine conflict than I'm aware of. I would need to be sure as an American leader 
that we have the facts correct. We had a, a caller challenge earlier, and I, I just cut him off because he was not allowing me to even raise a question, Tim, or speak without shouting over me, which, again, is just not polite radio for you listening. But having said that, having said that, to me, make sure every angle is covered. Make sure there are not other narratives, all right? There are not other narratives, other points of view that we need to factor in. There's not more going on. You know, Ukraine was not involved in X, Y, Z that caused Russia to do ABC and that there's more to it, that it is as gross a violation as much of the media is reporting, that it is as unjust an invasion as most of the media is reporting that it is just as President Zelensky is presenting it, and that if we don't stand up against Russia and simply draw the line, say you don't get to do this, period, for any reason. And if you have a gripe, if you have a concern, then bring it to the world through other channels and let us evaluate it together. And if there is really a threat to your well-being or a threat to your security, then let us evaluate it together. So... In my mind, if you say, okay, if it goes, if we knew that Russia was using chemical weapons in Ukraine, if we knew they were using chemical weapons, then we'd escalate, even if it meant potentially nuclear war. Or if a NATO country was attacked, then we'd escalate, even if it meant potential world war, potential nuclear war. Then how can you not use that same logic here as people are being slaughtered? without provocation. Now, again, this is my point of view, and I only share it here because it's just a point of view. You know, Nancy said to me, you know, in the past, like, who cares about your opinion? Many years, to give context, many years ago, a couple was at our house and asking me something and said, has, has God shown you anything about this? And I said, no, but I'll give you my opinion. And she correctly said, who cares about your opinion? It was, they weren't asking, Mike, what do you think? What do you think? They said, has God shown you anything? No, God has not shown me anything on this. I'm not claiming that I got a prophetic word or had a prophetic dream, all right? Or that one scripture jumped at me and I know based on this, we only have one course of action and I'm sharing it. You say, then why share a point of view at all? Fair question. Simply to say, in many other areas of life, this is how I have processed things. In many other areas of life, when, when push to, okay, if you do this, the consequences will be that, all right? If you act in this way, then you're going to pay. It doesn't matter. I have to do what's right. I have to do what's right. But once more, I would need to be absolutely sure through all the intelligence we could gather that things are as black and white as we understand. <clears throat> I'll give you one last example. This is the most petty example compared to the the crimes right now and, the, and the, the horror of what's happening in Ukraine, crimes as I understand them, and the horror of what's happening there. Just, just one, one, little, <clears throat> one little example. Have you ever seen a football game? And, okay, so let's say I'm, I'm a, lot, a defensive lineman, you're an offensive lineman, right? And after the play, I shove you in the face. I mean, I, I slam you, right? And then you get angry, you push me back, you get the penalty. Why? Because the, the referees only saw the second thing. 
I mean, it happens frequently like that. They didn't see the first thing, right? 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 I kicked you in a in a dangerous place to hurt you, you know, in the back of an ankle or something, just try to hurt you a certain way, and you got and you rage, you swung your fist around and you know hit me in the chest or something. The officials see the second thing. So I don't I don't think, to my knowledge, that there is a provocation from Ukraine that has now pushed Russia to do what it's doing. But I would want to make absolutely sure that not being a righteous nation, Ukraine's righteous, Russia's unrighteous, America's righteous. No, I'm not looking at that at all. Ukraine's just another nation, just another nation, not better or worse than anybody else. All right, yeah, a lot of Christians there, but I'm looking at it, it's not better or worse than anybody else, just another nation. If they have been wrongly and unjustly and without provocation been invaded by Russia, who is now seeking to subdue them and destroy them or subjugate them or take over certain parts of, of territory or, or quote, liberate Russians who are living in certain parts. If it's that simple, that black and white, then to me, we have to do more to tell Russia, you just can't do this. But the hope being that Russia doesn't want to lose hundreds of millions of people around the world either, or many tens of millions of its own. And Putin does not want to go up in a nuclear holocaust either. That's my take. Take it for what it's worth. And at the very least, think it through in terms of personal application in your own life. All right. Orthodox Jewish rabbi who is on college campuses asked me if I knew about this book because he discovered it in the local school library. It is from a number one New York Times bestselling series on children's education. It's called Who HQ. And it has books on who was or who is this famous person who was George Washington, who was Albert Einstein, who was Tom Brady, who was Michelle Obama, you know, wide ranging. And, and what was this and what's the story behind this? And it, it, right on top says the number one New York Times bestselling series. And here's the book. Who is RuPaul? Yeah, this is history. He is a trailblazer. He is a pioneer. Why? Because he is a famous drag queen who became nationally popular, who won an Emmy Award, the first ever drag queen to win an Emmy Award. <clears throat> and your kids, especially your boys, they can follow in his footsteps. Check out my latest article. It's on our website, sdrbrown.org. It's at stream.org, charismanews.org, townhall.org, many, many other sites, townhall.com, many, many other sites that carry our articles. Wherever you read them, check it out. I've got many, many quotes from the book. Oh, you've got, you know, you've got drag, drag queen terminology and looking back to when drag was a crime in those terrible days. And then somehow this ties in with the March on Washington and Dr. King's speech and 1963 and and then the tools of the trade the you know from the makeup to the corsets to the padding gives the drag queen wider hips best selling children's book adding more confusion to young people it's horrific enough that we have drag queen reading hour in our schools and it is sanctioned and approved by the american library association drag queens reading to toddlers now you've got a drag queen being celebrated. Hey, I want to see RuPaul come to know the Lord and find wholeness like anybody else. And he may be creative. He may be brilliant in different ways. He may be, in many areas of his life, a decent, caring person. But he's, he's a lost soul that needs the Lord. It's the fact, as the book tells us, his parents divorced at seven. 
His mother was so upset, she wouldn't even get out of bed at times, and, and he was pretty much raised by his older, daughter, uh, older sisters. Does that tie in with him wanting to dress like a woman? According to RuPaul, hey, everybody's in drag because you've got clothes on. So you're putting on some kind of public display, public act. No, we have clothes on to be functional and to cover our bodies, not to present ourselves as the opposite of what we actually are. And what about the fact that a large, large, large percentage of drag queens are also openly gay? How does that factor in? No! Celebrate RuPaul. So this is, when the book came out? Last year, I only found out about it. This is, by the way, and this adds to a large collection of books that I have, of books indoctrinating children with LGBTQ plus, plus, plus activism, and now celebrating being a drag queen. Friends, this is why we've been raising our voice since 2004 about these issues, reaching out to the people with compassion, resisting the agenda with courage. It's not too late to speak and act. It's not too late to make a difference. But had we spoken and acted in a corporate way, in a larger way, in a clearer way, in a more loving way, decades ago, we would not be where we are today. Stand strong for your faith today, friends, so your kids don't have to go to jail standing for their faith tomorrow. Another program powered by the Truth Network. Another program powered by the Truth Network.